you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. Uh, Confirmation uh, Sunday, as as I mentioned earlier, has always been a a special Sunday for me because for me, um, it was a time in my life when I really... um, it was a big part in my faith journey uh, when I really started to learn about what it means to to follow Jesus. You know, I, I grew up in the church. You know, I was I was that kid that was drugged to church by my parents um, every week, and we were at a church plant, so we came early to set up chairs, and we always were like the last people out of there, and and nothing's changed. <laughs> But for me, uh, confirmation was, was the first time in my life that I um, really started to explore the questions that I had about uh, God, about faith, about what it means to be a, a disciple, a, a Christian disciple. For me, it was a, it was a starting gate. Um, and, you know, at Bethel, you know, we talk about our mission being uh, loving God, loving others, and making disciples. Well, uh, confirmation for me was when I uh, started to learn what it meant to be a, a disciple. And, and at Bethel, my hope for confirmation is uh, that it's like that. Uh, and it's not the same for everybody, and not everybody's in the same place, but my hope is that confirmation is a place where we explore questions uh, together, uh, where we learn together with our students how to uh, live a life following Jesus. And, and it's always uh, fun for me because our students bring so much to the table from their own journeys and their own questions and, and their own uh, laughter and things to share. And it's been really fun, uh, Molly, having you in Confirmation these last couple of years. And, um, <clears throat> but, but Confirmation Sunday, as, as kind of that culmination, and as it was for me too, um, isn't so much about uh, crossing the finish line, um, but it's about starting. Um, for, for Molly, just so you know what she's been doing as a Confirmation these last couple of years, um, she's read uh, large portions of, of the Old Testament. Um, she's read all of the New Testament, at least she, she claims that she did, right? <laughs> no. uh, she read all the New Testament. She learned um, the uh, core affirmations of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, our kind of core theological beliefs. Um, she's studied scripture. She's brought questions. And one of the things that I love about uh, confirmation is when we invite and encourage people to sit down and really read large portions of scripture is um, they see stuff that they're like, what is that? <laughs> and she has brought tons of what is that? And it's, um, and it's great. It's a, it's a joy. Um, uh, other things that our confirmands do and that Molly uh, has done and will do is um, they share a story from scripture. And uh, in a few weeks, Molly's going to sh- actually share a story uh, from scripture before all of us and, and what God is uh, speaking to her through his word and, and how, and offer that uh, up to the congregation, to our brothers and sisters sitting here. So I, I think it's really cool. Um, our confirmants serve at church, but most of all what they do is they, they wrestle with God and faith and what it means to follow Jesus. And I, and I hope uh, that they learn a little bit about um, what it means to accept Jesus as, as Savior and Lord and, and what it means to follow him over the course of a life. Um, uh, because, um, and today, and as we celebrate Molly, and we celebrate our grads, um, we remember that uh, this isn't just an end to faithful work. Um, 
but a starting gate on the road of discipleship. And, and so the question becomes, um, for me, as I lead confirmation, and, and even in my own faith, um, and I think for all of us, is, you know, if this is the starting gate, and we all hit these starting gate moments and these milestone moments in our lives, um, what do I do uh, to keep going? How do I hold on to that, uh, that faith? Because nobody can hold on to um, faith for us. And one of the points of confirmation is to invite students to start holding on to faith themselves, uh, to have a relationship that's not through mom and dad, but, but through um, Jesus reaching out to them and, and have their own relationship with God and, and live out of that. And, and so, you know, as we ask that question, how do we keep going? How do we last um, for the, the long haul in faith, um, not just for these big, uh, exciting, fun moments, but um, as the weeks go by. Because when you uh, go through starting gates and as you get ready to graduate and you, I remember when I graduated, I, I had this picture in my mind that I was like standing on a, on a cliff, kind of. You know, everything be- before me, when you're growing up, it's just everything. The next year is just the next grade, right? You're in ninth grade, okay, well, your future is 10th grade, hopefully. And if you're in 10th grade, your future is 11th. And then if you're 11th, it's 12th. Um, but, but then it's all open, right? Uh, who knows what's next? And, and uh, we all kind of sometimes stand um, on the precipice. Um, and when we're on the edge of something, uh, we, we don't always know um, what's coming. And, and for me, as I graduated from high school, I was like, I was so excited by that. You know, the world was just open and full of possibilities, um, but incredibly uncertain. And what I didn't know, and maybe what our students don't know now, is that um, that never stops. (laughs) Um, Once you you finish high school, once you get on to that next thing, it seems like there's always an uncertainty in front of you. There's always a a road, and you don't uh, know what's going to happen. You know, how am I going to get through that loss, or uh, on the positive side, will that dream that I have for my life or my family ever come true? Um, You might stand on the edge and say, should I really marry that person? I don't know what it's going to look like. What's it going to look like if I have uh, kids or take that job or move to that place? And and sometimes when you stand on the edge, um, it's hopeful, right? Sometimes, you know, that uh, you're graduating from high school, maybe, you're, you're excited, you know what's coming, you're, you're hopeful, you're just full of opportunity, and sometimes it's terrifying uh, to stand on that edge. Um, and most of the time, I think it's both. And so my question is, you know, how can we uh, be set on the right track so we persevere um, through uh, those uncertain places, uh, those transitions, those difficult times? Um, Well, our scripture today uh, from Hebrews uh, 12, verses 1 through 3, um, it's written to a people that they stand on the edge of a cliff like that. Um, In their case, it's not a um, future full of joy and possibility and excitement, but it's a it's a pretty scary place to stand. The first people that read the book of Hebrews, this letter of encouragement, the the first people were wondering if they could possibly keep holding on to faith, if they could possibly continue on this road of discipleship. Um, uh, because in, the, in, in their community, in their place, and if you read the book of Hebrews, you, you hear the echoes of the stuff they're wrestling with because it's designed to encourage them in it. Um, because of their identification with, with Jesus, because of their faith that it brought a lot of separation into their family groups and their friend groups. Um, it separated them and set them apart from society, and it subjected them to kind of 
really painful, violent persecution. The first people that read the book of Hebrews had friends and loved ones um, who had died because of their faith. Um, They'd lost people. They'd suffered and they are suffering. And here they are, right, as they read this letter, they're standing on the edge and they're asking, is it worth it to continue? Should I keep going? Maybe I should just go back to the way it was. And so, so Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is written and, and dedicated to give this group of people something to, to hold on to. Uh, the encouragement they need uh, to keep going even just another day, uh, much less a lifetime. Um, something to hold on to and it, and it carries to us. Something for us to hold on to when our future is uncertain. Uh, and it comes together in chapter 12 with this, this call that sums up a bunch of the arguments that the author of Hebrews is making. Uh, and I think it's an encouragement to anyone who will ever stand on the edge of something new and not know how to go forward. And so the, the author, um, he's describing um, what it means to follow Jesus like a race. Uh, so he's, he's painting this, this race image. You know, in the, in, in the Roman times, you, know, you think about the um, you know, a race in the Colosseum, and people would run these marathons. They'd actually run into the Colosseum and then do like a, a couple loops in there as a part of the games. And so the author is describing this, this race. He says, life is like a race. And, and what we're going to do is just kind of a walk through uh, these three verses. Uh, there's a whole lot crammed into them, and we're going to see if we can hold on to a few uh, valuable things for us as we uh, walk our own uncertain roads and walk our own uh, uncertain races. And so he, he starts like this. The author starts like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Um, now, I, I decided earlier I wasn't going to say this because it's too dorky, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, this is a pastory thing to say is that whenever you see a, a therefore in, in the Bible, you should figure out what it's there for. Ha <laughs> ha. Ooh. Man, I felt physical pain when I said that. That's my body saying no. Um, and if you do that, if you look back in chapter 11, chapter 11 um, tells the story of a bunch of people that they would have known, a bunch of characters from the Old Testament that uh, persevered in faith, that went through incredibly difficult things, even though they didn't uh, see, even in their lifetime, what the reward was on the other side. And I encourage you sometime, if you want a little encouragement, if you want to remember um, to read uh, chapter 11 sometime. I almost just sat here and read the whole thing to you, um, because it's, it's an amazing story of how in uh, life following following Jesus, oftentimes the end of the road is something that's really hard to see. Um, anyway, so, so he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, you're running the race. And he says, imagine that all these people that have run the race before you, they are, they're surrounding you. They brought you to this point. Uh, they're witnessing what you're doing. And so for me, as I um, read through this, uh, the first thing to remember um, when we're trying to walk difficult roads, when we're trying uh, to set ourselves up to live lives of faith, is to remember that you're not the first person to go through this. Um, That's what the author of Hebrews is trying to do in chapter 11. He's trying to remind them that no matter what it is that you're facing, and in their case, it was was the sword and hunger and persecution and violence and ostracization from their family. He says, no matter what you're facing, you're not the first person and you're not the only person that's faced that challenge. Um, Because I don't know about you, but my problems... um, they're much bigger than anyone else's problems, <laughs> right? Um, our stuff always feels unprecedented. 
Uh, nobody understands what it's like to go through the week that I had. Uh, and that, that previous chapter reminds us that that's just not true. Um, uh, it reminds us, this letter reminds us that um, those who last, um, they remember and they remember again and again and again. And I love that this is even included in Scripture because uh, when somebody tells you uh, to remember um, those who have gone before, it assumes that you're going to forget. <laughs> it assumes that we're going to forget, but those who last, they remember again. And when they forget, they look back and they remember you're not alone, you're not the only one. Uh, they remember again. And so he continues, the author continues. Uh, Therefore, uh, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, this acknowledges uh, simply that even though um, in our heart of hearts we want to do the right thing most of the time, we want to do the best thing for ourselves and others, we often get distracted. Uh, we often get pulled off the course. We often focus our, our lives on things that are, are less important than the main things. And, and here, they mention two things, right? Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It, it reminds us that it's not just uh, sin. It's not just bad things and things that we know are wrong and, and evil that, that mess us up. Um, but it's anything that, that gets in the way. You know, we often get tangled up by uh, our different priorities or... Um, if you're like me, sometimes maybe you let uh, fear and anxiety about tomorrow trip you up and stop you and freeze you from doing, doing anything. Um, uh, you might get tripped up even by good dreams and good desires, things that you want for yourself and things that maybe God wants for you. But when it becomes that focus, um, it, it, gets, it gets in the way. It distracts, it hinders, it exhausts, it slows us down on the path of discipleship. And, and I love this because it assumes that those who follow Jesus were, are going to get tangled up sometimes. We're going to get distracted sometimes. We're going to miss the point sometimes. But those who last, they get good at throwing things off. Those who last get good at taking stock of my priorities, of uh, my, my sin, and repenting and, and returning back to the road. Those who last throw off, and they throw off again and again and again, they don't sink into despair. Uh, they take stock, they confess, and they let go. And, and <clears throat> the next little bit, he continues. Uh, isn't this crazy? This is all uh, in like the, the first and second verse. It says, um, now let us run the race, uh, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Um, the ones that last in a life of faith, according to the author of Hebrews, last um, because they simply, they just keep going. Uh, they just keep showing up. Um, they aren't usually the ones that impress the most people. Um, they aren't usually the ones with the best ideas that uh, give away, you know, like huge amounts of their possessions or do some like incredible act of faith or make these big splashes. Often the people that last and as, and as somebody who does um, funerals, um, often for people that have lived a life of faith. Um, when I see uh, their lives, and, and no disrespect to anyone, they're not always the, the fastest or the first to sign up for everything. Um, they might not even be the strongest or uh, the smartest or even the most spiritual person in the world you can imagine. They they're usually aren't even the ones that have the easiest time believing in God. They aren't always the ones that have the easiest time trusting God and taking steps of faith. And, and they might not even be the ones that have the strongest character. But, but those who last um, to the end are the ones that keep coming back after failure. 
The ones that keep coming back after success, that keep coming back after celebrations and after tragedy. And it's only when you keep going year after year and week after week and month after month over the course of your lifetime, it's only when you keep following uh, Jesus and connecting to him over that long period of time that you even have the chance to see God's faithfulness uh, uh, through all circumstances. Those who last, they don't worry about every step in the journey. They just worry about the next step. Uh, Those who last, they step again, and then tomorrow they step again, and and tomorrow they step again. But as important as all this stuff is, as as good as these strategies and tips are, and as uh, the author of Hebrews presented these to um, the struggling community, as important as they are to remember, um, it's all all pointless (laughs) without the main thing. Uh, without the important thing that uh, provides the motivation, the reason, and the meaning um, behind what the, the race the author of Hebrews is, is picturing. All these strategies are a waste of time without the right foundation. And, and the foundation is, is this, uh, as the passage continues. Uh, throw off, uh, take another step, um, do these things uh, while you fix your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Um, uh, That means the the first one to do it, to show us what it means uh, to follow God, the pioneer and perfecter who brought our faith into completion. It says, for the joy set before him, because of the promise of um, what God was doing, he endured the cross, scorning at shame. He suffered greatly and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. And at the end of the day, it it comes down to this. This is the foundation. This is the core. Um, uh, Those who last, um, they're the people that come back to this foundation that fix their eyes on Jesus. They look at Jesus. And and what does it mean to look at Jesus Um, it means that they, they think about him and remember uh, that he came and lived in a real time and a real place, um, that he was witnessed by real historical people. They fix their eyes on the reality that he willingly died a criminal's death on the cross, uh, that he actually rose from the dead as told about by hundreds of contemporary witnesses. And, and they fix their eyes on that story and his resurrection. And uh, those who last know that that resurrection proves that uh, he's God that sin and death and evil are defeated and on their way out, and that those who put their trust in him can be set free from slavery to sin and evil and one day rise again to eternal life uh, just like Jesus did. Those who last, they fix their eyes on Jesus. His story is the foundation for those who last the long haul in faith, for those who come back again and again, year after year, after triumph and tragedy, after dreams come true, and after dreams seem broken and irretrievable. Because if we look to Jesus, uh, we gain a a perspective um, to uh, the ability to to not let the latest challenge, um, the latest dream or the latest fear, uh, the latest success or our latest failure, our uh, latest gift received or our latest loss suffered, our latest uphill battle or um, downhill coasting. Uh, uh, If you look to Jesus, we're able to put all those things in perspective so that we know that those things aren't the story of our lives. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus when success comes 
And when failure comes, we take it in stride because we know it's not the end of the story. We know it doesn't define who we are, your worth, or who God is. And because of that, those who last uh, can be remarkably resilient. Those who fix their eyes on Christ are remarkably resilient. Uh, They don't let success go to their heads. And they aren't stopped by what feels like failure or tragedy. So uh, seniors, as you graduate, Molly, as you continue on in faith, as you're confirmed today, um, as we run into the next thing, all of us that stand in front of different uncertain times, different fears and different scary places with new hopes and new dreams, but also new fears and worries and new uncertainty, all of us together, um, may we fix our eyes on Jesus together and, and ask ourselves, what's the next step that God is calling me to? And then we don't forget that we're not on our own, right? What is the next step that God is calling us to and who will take it with us? What distraction is he calling me to cast off and who will hold me accountable? Where do I need to be reminded that I'm not the first to carry that burden, to recover from that failure? Where do you need to be reminded you're not the first to deal with that illness or have that fear or suffer that loss? And who will carry the burden with you? Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.